Hey folks, you own firearms? I do. Did you know that there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Meet muzzle stick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzle stick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. That could save lives. Are you one of nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection? Well, Taking an extra precaution by using muzzle sticks, big bright barrel, and chamber flags will let everyone around you know if the firearm is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some people do. And a clearly marked gun's status communicates to others around that may not have firearm handling experience and it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags do offer firearms rapid clear identification, and that could save lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owner. Head over to muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K dot com to place your order. One more time, that's muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K dot com. After all, we only have one life to live. Hello, America, and welcome to the Monday Before Christmas edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to do something a little different. Last week on national television, on Real America's Voice, my good friends, with our good partners and sponsors, Heritage Action for America, we had a great conversation about all the failures of big government in Washington and how those failures prompted a new era of federalism, of state rights, of people like Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott in Texas and Ken Paxton in Texas and the uh, South Carolina Attorney General who you heard from and others. We're going to have the Montana Attorney General in this conversation. What we talked about was every time Washington failed, it got overturned by the courts, it let the border open, it failed in its withdrawal from Afghanistan, harming long-term national security interests of America, caused inflationary pressure, caused gas prices and energy prices and home heating prices to dry. Every time one of those failures occurred, an equal and opposite reaction occurred in the states with people like Ron DeSantis, with people like Governor Abbott and Ken Paxton, the attorney general, and many of the people you're going to hear from. And it's a, a fascinating dynamic. And it's a dynamic that's accelerating as it goes into 2022, the 2022 election year. So we had an amazing conversation on TV. We've adapted it for this podcast, and I think you'll enjoy it. It is a very insightful, newsy, big guest conversation about what's wrong in Washington and how many of the failures, not all of them, but many of the failures, such as mandates, COVID mandates, can be and are being resolved in the States. It's a great conversation. I hope you can tune and listen for it. It'll be a great time today. We'll get back to our regular programming tomorrow, but I hope you enjoy this and listen in. There's some great ideas, some great learnings, and some futuristic lean to the conversation we had. 2022 feels like it's setting up to be the year of federalism and states' rights in America and probably sets the stage for the 2022 election. All right, folks, enjoy the special, enjoy the conversation. I'll be back tomorrow with regular programming. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews, and for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's Just the News, Real America's Voice special report, Washington Whiffs, a recap of 2021. It's hard to believe that this year is almost over, but when it started, we need to remind ourselves where we started this year. Joe Biden came in as president, and his mission was to end COVID, to show that big government, this was his idea, big government can solve all the problems in America, whether it's crime, COVID, the economy, Well, 10, 11 months in, that hasn't happened. In fact, the courts, the American people have spoken with extraordinary strength and repetitiveness that big government is not working in America. And as that has happened, we've seen an enormous dynamic of state governors, of local school boards and others intervening, stepping in, using the concept of federalism that our founding fathers gave us to solve the problems that Washington has either created, exacerbated, or fail to solve. It's an extraordinary dynamic, and it is going to be the issue, this idea of big government versus federalism that will probably dominate most of 2022. Joining me now to break down all of the failures and the successes of 2021 is our good friend, Jessica Anderson, the Executive Director of Heritage Action for America, our partner for tonight's show. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us tonight. John, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a crazy year, and I, it's, when I was doing this flyover, getting ready for this, it's hard to imagine how many failures we've actually seen this year. But let's start with COVID-19. Back in June 2021, uh, President Biden prematurely declared victory over the coronavirus. Take a listen to this. As I said, we're heading into, God willing, the summer of joy, a summer of freedom. On July 4, we're going to celebrate our independence from the virus as we celebrate our independence of our nation. We want everyone, everyone to be able to do that. Let's remember, we are the United States of America. Well, it became the summer of the Delta, didn't it, Jessica? It wasn't over at all. It was a premature victory declaration. Um, President Biden, Dr. Fauci, they reacted to the resurgence of the virus by imposing more uh, mandates on the American people, particularly vaccine mandates for federal workers, contractors, healthcare workers, private business. That hasn't fared too well, Jessica. Tell us what happened when big government tried to get bigger on the coronavirus. Well, the Biden administration's tact to dealing with the coronavirus shows that they learned nothing about of how we dealt with 2000, uh, 2020 and the year of 2020. The truth is, is that these blue state lockdowns, these onerous and heavy-handed mandates, all they do is further entrench the, the hurt and the harm of this virus across the country, leaving businesses shuttered, leaving schools a complete disaster where kids aren't learning or they're forced to mask up. And then throughout the summer, you begin to see this slow turn of, okay, well, you can be free to return to work If you get the jab, you're free to open your business. If you make all your employees get tested weekly or go get the COVID-19 vaccine. And so, you know, the entire process of how the Biden administration has dealt with COVID-19 shows that they think they're in charge of freedom. They're not. And they think that this is something that they can give and take away from people. They can't. Freedom doesn't come from the government. It comes from God. And that has been on full display this last year. And it shows that they learned nothing about how to deal with this virus from 2020 and have put 2021 in even more of a disaster as we end the year. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We enter into the 2022 with more uncertainty than we entered into 2021 with. It's a remarkable. I want to switch to another issue, border security. Uh, if you remember just a few months ago, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas had this to say about the borders, declaring that they're secure. Have a look. Martha, good morning. Uh, the message is quite clear. Do not come. Uh, the border is closed. The border is secure. Uh, clearly, the border is not secure. A million and seven illegal aliens can prove that. Uh, but I want to ask about this. We keep having these moments in the Biden administration where the government keeps telling us something, but Americans can see with their own eyes it isn't true. How has that uh, affected the American electorate? And also, as that has gone on, talk about how states and states' rights, governors, attorneys general have sprung into action to solve a border crisis that Washington actually created. I'm so thankful for the American people to see through spin like that. I mean, you hear that and you just know it is not true. You see the busloads that are coming to cities all across America, bringing illegal immigrants into towns, so much so that every city across the country feels like a border town because of how the Biden administration has opened the border, made it so porous, and then how they've completely ignored the rule of law on our southern border. And it's a huge disappointment. And in the face of that, the American people have said no. And in a lot of ways, they've actually bolstered many Republican governors like Governor DeSantis to use the tools of a state like Florida, a state that is pretty far from the southern border border in reality, but use that state, that as a bully pulpit to go in and to say, no, I'm going to send I'm going to send National Guard to the border to secure it. If you won't, I will. And how they've actually handled the influx of illegal immigrants into the state of Florida. Governor DeSantis has done a great job at standing up and promoting security for the cities all up and down the state. And I think a lot of other states in the country could take a page from his playbook to say, no, we're not going to give in to this porous border and allowing illegal immigrants to flood all of our social services, our schools, our elections going forward. And instead, Let's actually work to secure the border, protect Americans, and ensure that we don't have this porousness at the southern part. Yeah, such an amazing thing going on in Florida. Even the creation of a state militia, uh, really amazing uh, uh, new ideas coming out of that state. Uh, One Washington failure that everybody feels every time they go to the gas pumps is rising energy prices Mm. and inflation. Uh, I just have to ask, how did we go in 11 months from being completely energy independent to reliant on OPEC? and the cost of gasoline going up by more than a dollar and doesn't look like it's going to stop. All the Biden-Harris administration had to do with energy was nothing. The, the, the Trump-Pence energy independence doctrine put America finally in the driver's seat when it came to energy prices, when it came to how we could heat um, our households across the country and the cost of paying at the pump. All they had to do was nothing. And instead, One of the first actions that Biden did when he took office was to shut down the Keystone Pipeline and then take additional steps throughout the country to lessen our energy independence. That was a huge mistake, and we are paying for that now, months later, and you add in inflation, and this is the disaster that we're in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Don't fix what ain't broken. It may be the lesson of that one, I'll tell you that. Um, Another defining moment of 2020 came with the bungled U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan back in August. 13 men and women in uniform were killed. Hundreds of American citizens and thousands of our best allies in Afghanistan were left fighting for their lives, trying to find freedom in the absence of an American effort. Yet President Biden made this declaration to the American people. Listen to this. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravery, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. I don't think the American people believe the Afghan exit was a success at all. Uh, what has to be done to America? Uh, what is it? Uh, the, the failed exit, uh, exit. What did it do to America standing across the globe? And how do we fix it? Because both allies and foes seem to be affected by what we did there. Mm. Well, unfortunately, the entire world saw America's weakness in how the Biden administration handled this withdrawal. There's two conversations going on right now, I think, across the country. Should the United States military be in a place like Afghanistan? Yes or no. And then when we decide that, how do we then move forward? So where we are today is we have to go back to restoring peace and stability across the country and here in the United States. We can do two things at once. We can crack down on crime, support law enforcement, secure the border here in the United States 
and ensure that we continue to protect and support and lift up our brave military that are serving overseas. These goals don't have to be mutually exclusive, but what the Biden administration has shown is that they're not willing or capable of doing either. And the Afghanistan withdrawal put this front of center, unfortunately, into a lot of other leaders across across the globe that are looking at and seeing, hey, I can take advantage of the United States. Look what Putin is doing now with Ukraine. Look what China is, has continued to do the last 18 months. So this is concerning. We can get out of it though. And to do that, we have to both put America first, deal with our problems at home, and support the troops that we have abroad so that they know that we can have peace and stability globally, but only with a strong America. Yeah, such an important point. We got about a minute left. I just want to ask this. We One of the things that seems to be the uh, catalyst for change in America right now is states' rights. How important are governors, attorneys generals, and the grassroots of America that Hoffa touches every day, how important are they to changing the destiny of America right now? Look no further than the incredible work that states did around the issue of election integrity throughout this year. They tackled state reforms so head on. Florida, Texas, Arizona, Iowa, Georgia, all did this in a major way. I'm so thankful that the two million grassroots activists as part of Heritage Action helped support this ever, that, that this effort, that governors stood up and said, no, I'm gonna make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. These are the reforms I wanna see on my desk by the end of state legislative sessions. Doing that ensured that enough pressure was here in Washington that the Pelosi, Schumer, S1, HR1, you know, complete disaster of a federal overtake of a bill never passed. It never made its way through Congress because the states took care of election integrity and said no to the federal government. And Heritage Action was right in the middle of that, really getting the best ideas and the grassroots behind it. What an amazing accomplishment that was. And what a year it's been, Jessica. Thanks for helping us make some sense of it. Thanks for having me, John. All right, folks, when we come back from the break, we're going to take pick up uh, where we left off and ask the question, where is all that grassroots energy going to go in 2022? We'll answer it for you right after this commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. 
House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Two of the biggest failures of 2021 in Washington continue to resonate as we head into the new year. The first is the nation's energy crisis, fueled by high prices and supply shortages. And the latter is is the botched withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan that disheartened our allies and emboldened our foes. Joining me now is the number two Republican in the House, Whip Steve Scalise from the great state of Louisiana, to talk about how we got there with these two problems and how we solve them. Congressman, welcome to the show. John, it's great to be back with you, and uh, Merry Christmas uh, in advance, but I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, You as well, and thank you for all you do. Listen, I want to start with the country's emerging energy crisis. You're from an energy state. You know this really well. We entered the year being energy independent with low gas prices when President Trump turned the keys to Joe Biden, and we ended as energy dependent on OPEC with vastly higher prices at the pumps. How did that happen first on Joe Biden's watch? And secondly, how do we extract ourselves from that crisis? Yeah, John, it started, as you pointed out, a a year where we were completely dominant, not only producing enough energy to take care of our own needs here at home, but we were exporting energy, oil, natural gas. We're helping our friends around the world. We were reducing the influence and leverage that countries like Russia had. And then you go to day one of Joe Biden's administration, and you don't need to look far to find out where this problem happened. Day one, he killed the Keystone Pipeline, thousands of good American jobs. Uh, Then he started going down the road of this crazy radical Green New Deal where they crush American energy. But again, if fossil fuels were their enemy, which they purport, uh, number one, why is Joe Biden begging countries, OPEC countries, Russia, uh, to produce more oil when we can produce more here at home, except he shut the spigots off in so many areas on federal lands. They've made it more difficult to produce energy everywhere in America, and it's led to higher gas prices. And I'm talking 60% higher gas prices than what Mm. people were paying a year ago. That's something that hits low-income families the hardest. That is the first big tax that Joe Biden imposed on hardworking families, breaking his promise that you wouldn't pay higher taxes if you made less than 400,000. People making 40,000 are paying dramatically higher for everything, inflation across the board from energy to the grocery store. Is at an all-time high. You have to go back to the Jimmy Carter era to find a time this bad. And frankly, I think this is worse than the Jimmy Carter era. So it was all created by Joe Biden's day one policies. And he's unfortunately, he's doubled down on failure. And that's why you're seeing a revolt across the country. It's why you saw what happened in Virginia and so many other states. People don't want this kind of radical far left big government socialism. Yeah, we the people are definitely beginning to speak very loudly. Um I want to ask you a question that you've got this reconciliation bill that has a half trillion plus for the Green New Deal components that AOC has always wanted to get done. If that passes the Senate, what does it do to the energy crisis? Do we get better or worse with that uh, legislation in place? John, it makes it much worse. And in fact, it makes inflation much worse. I'll tell you one thing that families get across the country, even though Joe Biden, Pelosi and others are trying to hide this. The spending in Washington is driving inflation back home. And what people have said over and over in states from Virginia to uh, New Jersey uh, to other states is stop the spending first. Get spending under control in Washington and then give us our freedom back. And there's common sense that's just been thrown out the window since COVID started. There's ways to protect people. Governor, Good governors have shown you how to protect people and protect freedom at the same time. And frankly, the governors that took away your freedom in many cases, they have worse health outcomes as well. So they're not protecting people and they're surely not protecting freedom. So I think those both are at a premium. I wish we could get back to the things that were working. You don't have to look far and wide to figure it out. But big government socialism is what created this problem. Yeah, people are really waking up to that. They, they voted for Joe Biden and his big government solution and they found out they had buyer's remorse very quickly. Pretty, pretty amazing d- dynamic. So quickly, too. Um, I want to switch gears for a second and touch base on another consequential moment in the Biden presidency this year. The U.S. military's bungled withdrawal from Afghanistan. How has that changed our standing in the world? And do you think it has emboldened adversaries like Russia, what they're doing in Ukraine right now, 
and China with all the saber rattling on Taiwan. Yeah, and Afghanistan, it was so heartbreaking to see what happened the way Joe Biden did it. Again, Donald Trump wanted to withdraw troops from Afghanistan, but he also wasn't going to turn the country over to a terrorist organization and the Taliban. And so he reduced the footprint. We were down to 2,500 troops. We didn't have a single loss of life uh, for a year and a half, uh, thank God. Uh, But then Joe Biden comes in and he just goes down on his own. The generals were saying, don't withdraw all the troops immediately. And by the way, if you do, the first thing you ought to do is get all the Americans out, get your allies out, get the $85 billion of military equipment out that he gave over. The best military technology in the world was handed over, again, to a terrorist organization. And now China has access to that. And so what Afghanistan did, not only was it horrible for the 13 service members who lost their lives in that suicide bombing attack, probably the suicide bomber came from uh, the air base that Joe Biden turned over to the Taliban, where they had a prison and they let everybody out. Uh, But it also, I think, pulled the veil back on Joe Biden's competence. That's when we really started to see nationally people, even people who voted for Joe Biden said, wait a minute, now I wonder if he's even competent to be president, not just on foreign policy, but on domestic policy. And and you've seen his numbers plummet uh, since Afghanistan, because we have a lot of crises in America, John, but I think the biggest crisis we have is a confidence of competence in our president. And that's a scary thing. Yeah, listen, one in four, um, only one in four Americans in a recent poll said they want Joe Biden to run again. They're already done with him. It's it's an amazing turn. I've never seen it. Including Democrats. Like, including them, many Democrats, yeah, no doubt. And they don't want Kamala Harris either, but they surely don't have confidence in the president. It's not good for the country. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. Um, obviously, Republicans are the minority party in Washington, and but they're the majority party in many states. And I want to ask you, what are some of the novel ways that Republicans can try to fix some of the problems that Washington has created uh, before the 2022 election? What can be done next year? This is where leadership at the state level is so important because it shows that good leadership can actually yield good results and failed leadership is what ultimately gets you into trouble. And you don't have to look further than the states that are gaining population and losing population. We're in the middle of a census where the census is over, but the the redrawing of district lines across the country is happening. California, for the first time in their history, is losing a seat in Congress because millions of people left because big government socialists control everything. I call it states where there's liberal utopia, where you have Democrats running everything from the governorship down to the local level, New York, California, Illinois, go down the line. Those are all, by the way, coincidentally, states where you've seen devastating failures uh, from crime out of control to shutdowns that have crushed small businesses taking away opportunities, schools being shut down where parents aren't even being allowed to get involved in their kids' education and see the curriculum. They're being deemed by the Biden administration as domestic terrorists. Uh, And then you go look at at states like Florida, Texas, uh, other Republican-run states where they've trusted people. They've trusted science and people. They've allowed freedom to reign with science. And what they've had is better health outcomes, and they've had uh, really strong economies, the ability for people to hold on to their jobs, to hold on to their small businesses, for kids to go to school in a safe and effective way where kids are learning. The suicide rates that you're seeing in states where they're shutting everything down uh, are different from one state to the other. So all of these things are, I think, a real good example of what good, strong, bold conservative leadership can do to, to empower people, trust people, and yield your freedom and opportunity. And then in the Democrat-run states where they've shut everything down and they want to control your life, it's about government control versus freedom. It's never, I think, been more on display and contrasted than today in the hard red states and the hard blue states. Yeah, so true. we got about 30 seconds left. I want to ask you this. What's the question you want voters when they walk into that ballot booth uh, next November? What's the question you want voters to ask themselves before they cast that ballot? When they cast their ballot, it's going to be a very personal question. Which candidate and which party, because you're voting for both when you're voting for Congress, is going to give me the best opportunity to have control over my life and my destiny and my freedom. Those are the things people care about. Uh, They care about their kids and their kids' opportunity, and they care about the ability to have control over their life, not government telling them what to do. The essence of America. And Republicans win, by the way, on all of those fronts. They do. They do. Congressman, thank you so much for your time today. A lot of wisdom there to spread around before the holidays, and a blessed Christmas to you and your family. Great being with you. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thank you, sir. Stick around, folks. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita joins us after the break to talk about how the southern border crisis affects his state in Indiana right after this commercial break. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. One of the most successful forces of resistance to Washington's ever-expanding powers in 2021 has been the attorneys general in the states. There's lawsuits on everything from border policy to vaccine mandates have repeatedly prevailed in the courts, handling, handing President Biden an unprecedented string of legal losses in his first year in office. Joining me now is one of those attorneys general, Todd Rakita from the great state of Indiana. Attorney General Rakita, it's an honor to have you on the program today. Oh, the honor's mine. Thanks, John. You know, most Americans might not consider Indiana a border state, but the truth is the surge of 1.7 million illegal immigrants across this border this year has been flooding the interior of this country. And this year, you helped take the lead in organizing 15 states and suing to force the Biden administration to enforce the Trump-era Remain in Mexico policy. Explain to us why that policy is important to middle America and the outcome yeah. you achieved. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and it really it's a it's a it's an effort amongst Arizona and Texas, uh, Florida, uh, the true border states, the direct border states, I should say, and then a lot of uh, other concerned states who help those states in court through amicus briefs, through leading other kind of efforts in the briefing stage of these suits. And the reason I've led Indiana into this sphere is because it. We call it Hoosier common sense. Uh, we apply it to our lives generally, but it's only Hoosier common sense, John, that would tell you that, you know, if when that fentanyl uh, comes across the border right. in Texas, when the drugs come and the human trafficking comes across the border in Arizona and vice versa, it doesn't stop there in those states. It ends up in states like Indiana. You know, we have six or so major interstate systems that are directly linked to uh, this is the border states, right? So it's really easy to understand that, 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 the, that the sex trafficking, the drugs end up in our state. We have four ports. Uh, so, uh, we're all in this together, so to speak, um, in a very unfortunately negative way. And we have got to work together to fight back against really what is, um, a hatred. You know, I don't use that word lightly, but a hatred for the rule of law by this administration, uh, and really, you know, a, uh, a dislike for the sovereignty uh, of this of, of this nation and putting America. We went from putting America first to putting America last. And, and now the states have to step up. And this is just one way we're doing it. Yeah, there's no doubt. Are you surprised by how many losses the Biden administration has racked up in court? The courts have really spoken and said, you, Joe Biden, you keep overreaching, you keep exceeding the Constitution. How surprised are you that he's been rebuked so many times already? Well, you know, in a way, it's, it shouldn't be surprising at all because right. it's such a clear overreach. But you never know when you go into court. You know, you just never know how things are going to act, but how things are going to happen. But, you know, it started with this um, uh, eviction moratorium that the court right. said, OK, you got to stop the moratorium. And they tried to go on and do it anyway. Uh, but we have been winning uh, on these vaccine mandates. And you're right, four to zero so far. Uh, and, and, and part of that is because... A large part of that is because the, the states, again, are coordinating so well yeah. in, a, in a good faith, ethical way in terms of covering our bases when it terms to in terms of going to court, making sure we're doing things that are complementary uh, to each other in terms of our legal position, our legal case, making sure that we have the circuits covered 
uh, with these various lawsuits that we could uh, try to get a, a, a correct ruling. And so that's going really well. I'm really, <clears throat> in that sense, uh, proud to be part of a of a larger group, even though I'm an individually elected uh, executive uh, officer in the state of Indiana, it's good to have like-minded uh, leaders in other states who, who understand the state's proper role in a federalist system. And, and you see that happening every day, and it's absolutely um, fascinating to me, and I'm thankful for it. Um, these are David and Goliath battles. And, you know, in the, in the, in the secular sense, John, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. glad to have a lot more Davids. <laughs> yeah. No, and you know what? It's what our founding fathers intended. I mean, what you're seeing right now, you see state rights and individual freedom just rising up in a way I haven't seen it in my 30 years in Washington. Uh, and no place has that been more clear than with the vaccine mandates. You filed a lawsuit to stop the Biden administration from forcing vaccine mandates on your own state's healthcare workers. The court spoke pretty clearly there. Uh, what is the message that the courts are sending to the uh, to the Biden presidency, and are they listening? Well, you know, the let's go back to the board for just one second. You know, the the, the court said uh, the Remain in Mexico policy, right? So this right. is uh, the Trump idea, which is the correct one. That okay, you want to come across the border? We caught you. Uh, but we're not going to just turn you loose into the interior of the country. We're going to send you to Mexico where you'll remain until your hearing happens. I mean, that changes, John, the whole dynamic that disincentivizes the whole reason to come across the border legally in the first place. That, when the court did that, that was a great day. And the court said by December 6th, uh, you know, this has to happen. So that's just a few days ago. Right. Um, and and so time will tell whether the Biden administration don't listen. But I think it's 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 complicated enough and it deals with Mexico itself and their government that they might actually do it. And and so that's different than the moratorium that they try to ignore. And so mm -hmm. now you roll forward, John, into the vaccine mandates and, um, you know, time will tell. The good thing is I think we'll be in the Supreme Court maybe even before Christmas. Uh, wow. and maybe this is all resolved before the threshold of the, of, uh, the when the executive order otherwise would take effect, it would be January 4th. But again, courts across, of course, have stayed these mandates across the country now, yeah. and um, and and that stay will stay in place until the uh, Supreme Court maybe finally decides it. So that's a good thing. Yeah, a huge success and a, a proof that states' rights work. It's it's really a remarkable thing. Um, uh, with COVID nineteen, oh, there's a lot of demagoguery, right? You, if you fight a mask mandate, they the media say, "Oh, you're against vaccine," but you're not. Actually, you guys care about health and public health. And what's really interesting is there was a one size fit all approach to Washington for the pandemic. But states like yours in Indiana and Florida with Ron DeSantis, they're actually creating unique solutions for tailored to the people that they represent. How has that been empowering for, for someone like you and, and the governor? Yeah, well, it's, you know, I'll tell you, um, I believe, uh, I'm just speaking for myself, not necessarily our governor, that these kind of decisions to vaccinate or not, it depends on so many factors. We are not the same by by. God's design, we are not the same people. That's right. Each one of us is different. We have different comorbidities. We may, if any, uh, we are different ages. We are different weights. And all that has to be considered in whether or not to take what is still very much an experimental drug. You can say what you want about, oh, the FDA blessed it, but nothing substitutes for time. And, you know, you got there's a reason, not just bureaucracy, that the FDA takes five years, sometimes 10 years to approve a drug is because they got to wait to see what the real effect of the substance is. Are you going to grow two noses or not? You know, whatever the situation is. Yeah. And so, and so this is very much an experimental vaccine and it may make sense depending on your personal situation in consultation with your doctor. The point is, is that the last thing we need in the society is a politician telling us what we need and don't. And that's what we're, that's that individual Liberty we're trying to preserve. Yeah, absolutely. We got about 30 seconds left. I want to ask you this. Indiana is the crossroads of America. What is the mood of the electorate in middle America and how might it affect the 2022 elections? Yeah, uh, look, Indiana, I think by and large, has declared victory over <laughs> over not only the vaccine, but over socialism. Right. And and uh, we're ready to take our country back. Uh, and that's not even a partisan statement. That's just an American statement. Um and, and Indiana wants to help lead the way. We certainly want to do our fair share to get this country righted. Yeah, well, 
There's no doubt there's some amazing examples thanks to your office. Sir, thanks so much for uh, helping us out today and sharing what's going on in the great state of Indiana. Yeah, thank you, John. Great to be here. Same here. All right, folks, stick around. Congressman Mary Miller joins us next. You're not going to want to miss what she has to say about critical race theory. We'll be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back, folks. As we discussed earlier in the show with Jessica Anderson, no political issue in 2021 galvanized everyday Americans more than critical race theory. Stuck at home during the pandemic, parents began seeing what was being taught to their kids, and they were not happy. Congresswoman Mary Miller from the great state of Illinois has been one of the most cogent voices in Washington, leading the fight against extremist ideologies in schools. And she joins us now to describe how the grassroots and the states have succeeded where Uncle Sam has failed. Congresswoman Miller, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. This is an important topic. It sure is. Uh, critical race theory was really discovered by most Americans in the last year, but it's in the works for years, fostered in some cases by bureaucrats in Washington, feeding local school districts curriculum ideas and money. Tell us what you learned about that dynamic. Well, I think that we can look at the positives that's come out of COVID and the fact that we've had more transparency than we've ever had in light of the curriculum that our kids are um, and teachers are being subjected to has been a fantastic thing. Parents want their children to be smart. They want them to be um, proficient in the core subjects. And whether it's critical race theory, uh, transgender ideas or um, this perverted sex ed curriculum, you know, we don't want our kids being occupied with um, these damaging ideas. Yeah. And it's funny, as parents began to speak up, political leaders and bureaucrats started to push back. And so you, you recently led this initiative with other members of the Illinois uh, congressional delega delegation to persuade the Illinois Association yeah. of School Boards to disassociate from the National School Board Association. That's the group, if everyone remembers, that suggested protesting parents were domestic terrorists and they sick the FBI on them. Uh, Congressman, what inspired you to lead that initiative and what has happened in your state school board group since it started? Yeah, well, actually the letter that the National School Board Association wrote to the Biden administration inspired me to do that. And the fact that parents are um, on board completely, I've said for a long time, we need to take back our community schools. And our schools should be allowed to reflect the values of the community where they are. I was excited and actually kind of surprised that the Illinois School Board Association did quickly terminate the relationship with the National School Board Association. We we're one of the first ones. And uh, yesterday I heard that 26 uh, state school board associations have um, discontinued their relationship with the National School Board Association, which is fantastic. We need to have transparency and we need to have accountability. And real people are fighting back. They're awake, they're awake now. We're woke. We're the woke <laughs> ones. How about that? Who would have thought that was going to happen? That's great. Um, uh, there was a moment uh, back in October where uh, Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe were on stage together in debate. And Terry McAuliffe uttered what I think is the dirty secret about CRT and those who provide it, which is we, the bureaucrats, we, the politicians, don't believe 
uh, parents should have a say in what, what happens in their school, uh, their children's education. How seminal a moment was that for all the things that have flowed since it? Well, I mean, that was a turning point in the election. And I think that um, that election has really um, riled the rest of the country up that there is hope and regular people can get involved on the state and local levels. You know, I'm through the um, whole election process. I've met so many fantastic people, but I met this one mom from Nashville, Tennessee, and her she actually homeschooled her children. But she found out that their public school system was um, was using an anti-American civics curriculum, which is shocking. Um, so she got a lot of people involved. They went to the school board, the, the next school board meeting after they found this out and addressed it with the school board. The school board promptly ignored the parents and the taxpayers. So uh, four months later, there was a school board election and they turned over six seats in that school board election. So I hope that me telling that story inspires people to go to the school boards, to um, get them to be transparent on what's going on in the schools and the curriculum they're using. And if they don't get the um, response and the result that they feel like is best for their children, they need to run for school board. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to see so many parents now ru ru entering politics to to be warriors in this uh, this fight. One of the things that yeah. has been really impressive in watching is that where the federal government and these school bureaucracies have tried to overextend their influence in children's lives, that the states have been exercising their own rights. The legislature, uh, the governors, in some cases, executive orders. How important are state rights in this era of big government Washington? Well, it's the firewall to this out of control federal government, definitely. And, um, you know, we're involved in every level, my family, my children. Um, and I want to encourage people that um, we live in a representative uh, republic and our system won't work unless the regular people get involved. So such an important point. Getting involved is the key. I want to switch gears on you for a second and look at rising crime. In your home state, the great city of Chicago, the police superintendent there recently blamed all the spike in violent crime as uh, on, it blamed it on progressive policies. Describe why so many big blue cities in America, you think, are having this rising crime problem and how Washington has failed to intervene and do something to get us back to law and order. Right. Well, <laughs> the progressives are actually Marxist communists. Um, this is part of a plan to take over our country. They aren't anti-police. What they are is anti-local police. And they're moving forward this agenda to create anarchy because they want to bring in police and um, control from the top, from the federal government. So um, these anti-police policies are terrible for our communities. I hope that um, the big cities that have turned election over, at least in Illinois, Illinois is a conservative state if you take out three counties. Right. Um, I hope people in those counties are waking up and realizing that the progressives do not represent them. If people don't feel safe and their stomachs are empty, nothing else matters. And the next thing they care about is good education. That is the segue um, for us to turn these elections back to the people. Yeah, and it seems like there are these forces lining up to make 2022 a real referendum yeah. on the difference between big government, maybe federalism, a return to federalism. Uh, that seems to benefit the Republican slate. It seems like on all the issues, crime, coronavirus, mass mandates, Republicans are now in the lead in the polls in ways we haven't seen in decades. How important is the 2022 election and how should Republicans play the election to make sure that they win? Well, it's extremely important. We're just hanging on. They're dismantling our system as we see it. Um, I mean, for example, having an open border and then talking about granting mass amnesty, you can just plan on that being the end of our country. Their ideas are just horrifically damaging. So um, I believe that we are going to have a landslide uh, victory in 2022, and then hopefully we can put the brakes on some of this. Yeah. Uh, I got about 30 seconds left. I just want to ask you, what are the four sure. key issues that your constituents in Illinois are most concerned about heading into this election year? Well, I think freedom, the border, of course, the economy and um, China. 
I think people are concerned. They've uh, realized that China is definitely our enemy, and they're concerned about how um, representatives in um, D.C., including our president and his son, have um, sold us out to our enemy. So definitely those things. Yeah, those are definitely the most important ones. Everywhere I go, people are talking about those issues. Congresswoman Mary Miller, thank you so much for your valuable insights. We really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Oh, my honor. We're going to take a quick commercial break, folks. When we come back, the brand new president of the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Kevin Roberts, will be joining us to talk about the future of the conservative movement as we enter the new year. We'll be right back. You're not going to want to miss this interview. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We've had a poignant discussion tonight about the issues where Washington is failing and where states have stepped in with solutions from the pandemic to the border. And many of our guests have suggested this movement toward federalism, toward states' rights, is only going to get bigger as we head into the new year. One of the biggest proponents in Washington of states' rights is the influential think tank, the Heritage Foundation. And joining us now is Dr. Kevin Roberts, the brand new president of Heritage. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for joining us tonight. John, thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a fun discussion. You know, one of the places where big government in Washington is failing right now is in the court system, which where courts and judges have repeatedly reigned in the Biden administration and affirmed states' rights. Heritage has one of those key lawsuits challenging vaccine mandates. Why did you guys get involved in suing, and why do you think the courts are ruling so often against this president? Well, we proceeded for the first time in our 48-year history in filing a lawsuit with the Heritage Foundation as a plaintiff because it is the actions of the Biden regime are that unprecedented. And so we believe for the sake of the sacrosanct relationship between employer and employees here, but most of all, to the heart of your question, for the overreach that Biden and Harris are initiating every day, that the Heritage Foundation has to stand up for that everyone who's fighting that overreach. It's really important that we understand that intrinsically, that is just on the vaccine mandate initiated by OSHA, that that lawsuit is justified. But even more than that, this is the key point, John, if we don't stand up against that, then this regime is going to implement a lot of other examples of overreach in the coming months and years. It's really important that we draw a line in the sand. Yeah, that was a that was an earthquake in Washington, a really historic moment for heritage. It was really something... Um, one of my favorite op-eds in the last few weeks has been the one you wrote called Tomorrow's Heritage, in which you outline your vision for heritage and your prognosis on the future of the conservative movement. What does that future look like, both for heritage and the conservative movement, as we head into 2022? Well, thanks for your kind comments. That's great coming from you. I'm a fan of your work, as I mentioned to you last week. The point is that Tomorrow's Heritage is one that, while we'll always be headquartered in D.C., we're gonna spend a lot less time worried about what's happening in DC. We are always going to be the beachhead behind enemy lines for the conservative movement. In other words, our friends at the state and local level who are doing such great work cultivating the future of conservatism know that when their reforms get to the point where they need federal action, the Heritage Foundation will be leading the efforts here in DC. But the second point, John, is that Heritage, as it has already begun to do, is going to be very active in state legislatures next year. We're gonna be working on immigration reform. And you know, there are a couple of things that states can do. I helped lead some of those efforts in my previous stop in Texas. 
We're going to be involved in every school choice effort in any state that is looking at universal school choice. We're going to clean up election laws. Obviously, Heritage has played a key role in that in 2021. That's just a sample of what we're going to be doing. But tomorrow's Heritage is one that looks a lot like America rather than the nation's capital. Yeah, that's going to be news, uh, great news to a lot of activists and grassroots folks in the states who are so excited about what you're bringing to Heritage. The balance between power in Washington and the states has been tilted in recent years, clearly towards the federal government, maybe since after 9-11. How can those who are concerned about these imbalances at the grassroots level tip that balance back toward federalism in the states? What can they do to engage with you and other groups to start that momentum even greater? Well, they can always visit us at heritage.org, but what they need to do even more importantly than that, because we're relying on the following, John, is that they need to keep going to school board meetings. They need to keep going to city council meetings. They need to keep calling their state legislators. We want that army of grassroots activists, some of whom are active in the political process for the first time in, it's the first time in their lives, to be pushing on overreach by school boards and city councils and states. And I believe firmly, that working shoulder to shoulder with them in every state capital and here in the nation's capital, that the Heritage Foundation can amplify the great work of every conservative in this country. Yeah, such an important point. And, you know, Heritage does so much to put thought leadership into the conservative movement on things like shrinking government, where we can shrink government, where states can pick up some of the slack, where we can get freedom back to the Americans. What are some of the research and things that you'll be making available as tools at Heritage for everyday Americans to uh, embrace? You know, people know that we do on, on every public policy issue facing the country, really important research. Some of the research that I think is the most helpful are those indices. We have index of, of economic liberty. We're, right. We have very soon being released an index of election laws. And so people are going to be able to see a scorecard, sort of a report card of their state election laws. Those are the kinds of research tools that our scholars have spent years doing, and we update annually, as you know. And that's the kind of thing that regular people would never have the time to do in the same way that I'm not going to have the time, the colleagues here at Heritage are not going to have the time to visit every local school board meeting. This is what I mean by the complementarity of what the activists are doing and what we're doing. Working shoulder to shoulder, we're going to take back this country. Yeah, such an incredible mission. we got about a minute left. As you look into 2022, what issue do you think the electorate is going to turn on? Is it really a question of is, too, is government too big? Do you think that will be the defining issue of the 2022 election? I think the average American is going to, to verbalize that in a little bit more specific way. And that is that government is too big, not just at the federal level, but government is too big at the state level and at the school board level. They're seeing that in the indoctrination of their children. Right. Yeah, such an important point. Yeah, very cogent. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. We can feel the energy coming out of that building at Heritage and can't wait to see what you do next. Well, folks, that just about does it for our tonight's special. A big thanks to our partners at Heritage Action for America for sponsoring tonight's event and to Real America's Voice for hosting us here. Tonight, we surveyed a half dozen major points of failure in Washington that occurred here in 2021 and identified how states and the courts have stepped in to fill the gaps correct the problem. And we've talked to experts who see that trend accelerating as we go into the new year. As it does, the disconnect between the Washington power brokers and everyday Americans on Main Street is going to be growing. And that is something we'll be covering closely here at Just the News and Real America's Voice. We thank you for watching and ask that God bless you and this great country that is the United States of America. Good night. Hello, America. Welcome back from the commercial break. Thank you for listening. What a great conversation. Washington whiffs in 2021. We had a lot of whiffs, a lot of failures, and then we had a lot of solutions emerge, not from the Capitol, not from the White House, not from the federal agencies or the courts in Washington, but from the governors and state houses in the state. State rights filling the vacuum that where Washington failures seem to harm and frustrate all of us in 2021. Great conversation. Very thankful for all of our guests. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.